Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Everyone say heaven on earth. And I want you to know that heaven on earth is not a fairy tale, it's a promise. Say it again, Pastor. Heaven on earth isn't a fairy tale, it's a promise. Amen. Come on, come on. You, you got to, if you think it's a fairy tale, it's never going to come about in your life. But heaven on earth isn't a, isn't a fairy tale. It's a promise because in Matthew chapter 6, we see where Jesus teaches us to pray. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, he tells the disciples, this is the manner that you should pray. And the first thing that Jesus tells us to pray is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, and so what, in essence, what God is telling us to do is to invite heaven to come down to earth. Let heaven's reality become earth's reality. So he says this, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray, Father, help in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. As I shared, if you haven't listened to the first two messages in this series, please go, go back and, and listen to these on podcast because the, the things we share are foundational for you to be able to understand where we're going and what God really wants to accomplish in your life. But heaven on earth, when we speak about this, it, it must be important. It's the first thing that Jesus tells us to pray. It's the first thing. He doesn't tell us to pray for the end of world hunger, healing, doesn't talk about finances, doesn't talk about marriage. He says the first thing we're to pray for is to bring heaven to earth. That king, the king, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it tells me that it must be important. It also tells me that Jesus is implying that heaven is not just a place, but it's an environment. That heaven isn't a place we go to. Heaven is an environment that we have the opportunity to experience. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so you don't have to wait to die to receive the benefits of heaven. You have the ability to walk in heaven's blessings here on earth. Come on, somebody. And so I need you to grab a hold of this this morning, that God created you not to die and go to heaven, but that you have the ability to bring heaven's reality here to earth. Come on, somebody say amen. And so I want you to understand something, that Jesus would never have us pray something that was impossible to achieve or to to be able to accomplish. So when Jesus tells us to do this, he must believe that it's possible. How do we know it's possible? That when Jesus walked the earth, he brought heaven's reality to earth. When Jesus walked on the earth, he brought the environment of heaven with them. And we are to look to Jesus as an example of how we are to live. And Jesus, everything he did, he did with the spirit of God on him in order to accomplish these things. He didn't do those miracles as God. Jesus did those miracles as man. Surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And so the same way Jesus was able to do these things, he told us, greater things than these shall you do. And if we're not experiencing greater, then we have to ask for a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, increase our ability to hold your presence. 
so that we could bring heaven's reality to earth. And how did Jesus intend to do this? Or how did God intend to do this? Notice this. The Bible says that God created us to be fruitful. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God created us to be fruitful. Everyone say fruitful. Multiply. To fill and subdue. And so when we talk about be fruitful, God created us to contribute, not just consume. You have a responsibility to make the world better because you're here. Secondly, you have a responsibility to grow and excel. You should become the best worker at your job. You should be the one that they call on when they need something done. When your name is mentioned, people should think excellence. Every one of us has a responsibility, not just to grow outwardly, but to grow inwardly, to make sure that we are expanding in our wisdom, in our knowledge, that growing to the point that whatever job we have, that we excel in whatever it is that we do. Then he tells us to fill and to subdue. He tells us to transform environments. Filling means transform. And So last week I talked to you about filling the earth, about transforming environments, about how when we walk into an atmosphere, that atmosphere sustained will become a climate. That climate sustained becomes a stronghold. That stronghold will eventually become a culture, and a culture is the way we live. Now all these things that we talked about last week, you got to go back, listen to them, because you were created according to the word of God to shift atmospheres. You are not, how many of you have walked into a room where you just feel despair, depression, loneliness? You have the ability not to walk in and just reflect that. Now, now, we see this happening across the world. Whenever riots occur, there are people that are part of that crowd that did not go to that crowd with the idea of rioting. They went there with the idea of protesting. And then all of a sudden, the atmosphere shifted because there's people in the crowd that brought an environment with them of violence. And before you know it, when more people start getting violent, you weren't even planning on participating. But before you know it, you find yourself into it. It happens at church as well. You come here, you're depressed, you're tired, you're, you're, you're weary, you didn't want to come. And then all of a sudden, worship starts going, worship starts going on. And all of a sudden, something starts happening. The music gets to your heart. Something starts moving in your spirit. You weren't planning on participating. You weren't planning on worshiping. But something happened that next and you know your hands are in the air you're clapping your hands and you're declaring the goodness of God because an atmosphere can take you to a good place or it'll take you to a bad place and you were created to create atmospheres every one of us in here and to subdue which meant to take territory through influence now God's plan had always been this was for Adam and Eve to reproduce the garden of Eden's atmosphere throughout the earth Okay, to take the atmosphere of the Garden of Eden and transport it all over the earth. Listen, God gave you that responsibility. Listen, it is not the world's responsibility for the condition the world's in right now. I don't blame the White House for the condition. I don't blame the Democrats or the Republicans for the condition of America right now. You know who I blame? Not the White House. I blame the church house. That's on my shoulders. That's on your shoulders. That's on us. Because it's not, change doesn't come from the White House. Change comes from our house. It comes from us individually. Every one of us is responsible for change in our own communities. Why? Because God created you with the capacity and ability to shift atmospheres and to change atmospheres around you. You have the responsibility to recreate heaven wherever you go. 
what are you recreating right now? What are you reproducing? See, God had placed Adam in a perfect environment, but he didn't place him in a perfect world. When he put him in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden was perfect, but the world wasn't. You got to understand that at the time that Adam was placed in the garden, the rest of the world Satan was running around on. Only the garden was set aside for God's presence. And God wanted to take over the whole earth, but he wanted to do, through, do so through Adam and Eve. And I want you to know that that plan hasn't changed. Even though Adam fell, that plan's still the same. Except instead of using Adam and Eve, God wants to use you to do that. Now, now follow me. Look at Genesis chapter 2. We're, we're going to lay some foundation here, all right? Amen? Genesis 2, verse 8 says this. Then the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east where he placed man, the man that he had made. So God planted a garden. Now, now check this out. Where did God get the seed for this garden? Created it, spoke it from the dust. Now, where, where does God live? Heaven, right? That's his, his domain. He took the seeds of heaven and he goes to earth and he plants the seeds of heaven in this garden called Eden. And he gives man the responsibility and the blessing to live in this garden. But what made the garden the garden wasn't the plants. It was the presence. It was the presence of God that made the garden special. It was the presence of God, and it was, in the pre- it was in the garden that Adam and Eve hung out with God. It was a place where they didn't go to church. There was no pews. There was no singing. There was no choir. There was no offering. It was just man and God walking together, fellowshipping with one another. That's the way God wanted us to have communion with him. Now, he, he places them in the garden. I want you to understand something. You are not here by accident. You are here by design. Yeah, that's a great place to clap. So let, let's, let, let's, let's stop. Let's stop. Let's, uh, we're not going to patty cake here. We're going to do it right. See, you are not here by accident. You are here by design. Yeah. You know, we're going to do like some of those television shows. We're going to have applause signs come up at certain times. Okay, here's where you clap, right here, right here. I might get the burning bushes up here to let you guys know when, when to do it. But Genesis 1.28 tells us that God created us and told us, be fruitful, multiply, fill and subdue the earth and, and, and take dominion. But I want you to understand that it was never about staying in the garden. That's where the church has got it wrong as well. We're trying to create a garden here and we're just trying to hang out in the garden. But it was never about the garden. It was about re- reproducing the garden all over the face of the earth. Oh, come on, somebody. You got, we, we got to capture this. It was all about duplication. Everyone say duplication. This was God's plan. And so God had... Now, now listen. Satan already, had already fallen. And so God's plan was to take a man in his image to defeat Satan by reproducing heaven's reality all over the face of the earth. That was his plan. And it's always been not about the garden, but about the whole earth. Listen, we're thinking too small. Let me try this side. 
We're, we're thinking too small. Jesus put it this way. He says, hey, listen, I want you to go, go therefore unto all the, all the world. Don't go through. Go everywhere. And make disciples of all not in all nations, of all. He wants us to disciple nations. He doesn't want us to have one person from one nation, one person from another nation. In other words, I want you to go in into the government, and I want you to transform governments. I want you to shift thinking. I want you to transform nation by nation by nation until the whole world begins to reflect what heaven looks like. That's what God's desire is. How does he do that? Through us. He tells Moses, hey, Moses, I heard the prayers of the, of the Israelites, so I'm going to go down and set them free. Now you go. What? You said you were going. Yeah, I'm going, but I'm going through you. How does God bring change to this earth? Through you. But there are certain things that we got to stop praying for, and there's certain things we got to start doing. Stop praying for God to do what you've been equipped and ordained to do already. But it has to start in our garden first. Listen, we, we might not have the Garden of Eden, but we are still in charge of our own gardens. And let, let me break this down. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, says this. The Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to, to, and to, so he gave him a job. Now, the first thing God does is place him in his house and gives him a job. L listen to me, ladies. Before Adam got a wife, Adam had a house and a job. <laughs> All the brothers are like, come on, P, stop, man. Making it hard to hook up with the lady. Look, if he ain't got a job, he ain't got a girlfriend. You ain't there to support him. Come on, ladies. That's what y'all should have been marching about yesterday. <laughs> my, my man need a job. <laughs> my man need a job. That's what we out here for. My man need a job. I need my man to get a job and get a house. And do something. That's what you should have been marching about. They <laughs> to tend, he gives God, he, God gives Adam a job and he gives him a house before he gives him a wife. And, he, and the wife doesn't even show up until after God's sure that he could do the job. And so he gives him the job, tend and to watch. Everyone say tend. That word tend means to make sure there's no overgrowth, to take care of the, of the garden. As the garden grew, to pick the fruit, to care for it, make sure rotten fruit's not laying on the ground, to take care of it, to tend it. And the other part is watching. And I shared this in the men's ministries in our men's breakfast a couple weeks back, is that we have a responsibility to watch or protect or guard our homes, that we have a responsibility to do so. But Adam failed to tend and to watch the garden. He failed in his job. How do I know that? Let, let me share something with you. You see, your garden right now is no longer a, a place that you have fruit and everything. Your garden, gentlemen, is your heart. That's your heart. If you're married, it's your heart and your wife. 
If you have a family, it's your heart, your wife, and your, your children. It's your house. It's the place that you, you dwell, your domain. If you're a single mom, it's your heart, your house, your household. You are responsible for that garden. You have a garden. You have a place of dominion. If you're, a, if you're, you're not married, you're high school or college and career, you're going to school. Wherever you go, it's your heart, it's your college. It's your heart, it's your job. Whatever areas that you go to, that is your garden. That is your area of dominion. That is the place where you be fruitful, where you multiply, where you fill and you subdue. That's your responsibility. Now let me take you somewhere. Satan had no right or authority in the Garden of Eden. So he had to get someone, get the authority from Adam and Eve. He wasn't going to get it from God. So he had to get it from someone else. So he couldn't just bust the doors open of the garden and say, I'm here. You're going to eat from that tree. You're going to do what I say. He couldn't do that. He had to get Adam and Eve to agree with him in order for him to get authority. So look at verse 1 of chapter 3. It's there on the screen. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord had made. And one day, someone say one day. day. Ask the woman. Now, now, this trips me out. That means that this serpent had been hanging out in the garden for a while. Where's Adam? You're supposed to be tending and tending and tending and How'd the snake get in? How are you going to let a snake come into your garden? How are you going to allow the enemy to step into your household? How are you going to allow the enemy to come into your heart? How are you going to allow the enemy to come into your marriage? How are you going to allow the enemy to come into your family? How are you going to stand there and allow the enemy to work his way into your household and do nothing about it? You were given a responsibility, Adam, to tend and to keep, to tend and to keep. Gentlemen and ladies, you need to understand we have been given a responsibility to tend and to keep our garden. Watch what you let in. Then they have a conversation. This blows me away that she's comfortable enough with this serpent to talk to it. They're friendly. She might have walked by this tree hundreds of times, and he's probably said, hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. Go about her day, come back again, and he's still there. Now, notice this. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Let's let's take a look at Satan here. Three things I want you to see about him. Number one, he couldn't force his way into the garden, right? It wasn't his domain. Okay? Stay with me. Keep that scripture. It had to be given to him. So the authority had to be given to to Satan. He couldn't just take it. Couldn't just walk into the garden. So look at his, his strategy. He needed someone to agree. Someone say agree. He needed someone to agree with him. So he starts a conversation with Eve, and he's trying to get her to agree with him instead of God. See where this is going? See, whenever you start agreeing with Satan on things over what God says, you're in trouble. God says you're healed. No, I'm sick. My marriage is falling apart. No, God says that you're, what God has joined together, let no man separate. 
You know, I'm broke. I, I, I can't make ends meet. No, you're the head and not the tail, the lender and not a borrower, above and not beneath. Whenever you start agreeing with other, other ideas other than with God, you're going to start losing what you were given. Follow me on this, okay? So he causes Eve to doubt God's goodness. Did God really say? Now, doubt will lead you into bondage. No doubt. It will lead you to bondage. Doubt will get you into trouble. Look in verse 2 and 3 as they continue this, this conversation. Of course, this is the woman talking. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit in the... the so there, th this is what trips me out, okay? They are talking. In fact, Jordan, stand up for a second, man, okay? They're talking here. See, I didn't pull you up. You're almost, you're a bush. You're not a tree, okay? So we're good. Just put your hands up. You're a tree, okay? They're, they're talking in this tree. Go, go ahead and chat, stand up and put your hands up, all right? They're talking in this tree about that tree. They're talking in a tree where they can eat from about a tree that they can't eat from. Because she says this, it's only from the tree in the, of the garden we can't eat. This will work. The, the one that you're in, we're, we're cool with. But it's the one over there we can't. Now, if Satan had showed up in that tree and said, hey, come on here and eat, she would have been like, no, I can't do that. That's off limits. But what Satan does is Satan shows up in what's acceptable. He shows up in a place that we're comfortable with. He shows up in a place that is all right. He shows up in a neutral area. And he shows up in those neutral areas of our life to the point where he hung out in what was acceptable. And as a result, they gave him access. You know, he, he's not hanging out in the bad stuff. He's just talking about the bad stuff. But he's hanging out in what's good. This is all right. This is acceptable. And so Satan will show up in our lives in what's acceptable. And all of a sudden, we end up accepting him because he's hanging out in what is acceptable. And they grant Satan access. This is where families fall apart. This is where relationships with God fall apart is because he shows up in what is acceptable. There's nothing wrong with football. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with relationships. There's nothing wrong with these things. But whenever these things take precedence over God, we got chaos. So he shows up in what is acceptable in order to convince us to do what is off limits. And they allow him that. Look, look at verse 6 now. And the woman was convinced now, what's a trip? What blows me away through, through this whole thing is this. Adam and Eve are sitting here talking, talking to, the, to the serpent in the tree. That's wrong tree. Wrong. Oh, you can eat from that one. See? Yeah. See? Always start in trouble, huh? Women always start in trouble. Eating things you're not supposed to. So God us into this mess to begin with. Sorry, babe. Sorry. 
So they're having a conversation here. And as this whole conversation is going on, where's Adam? He's right there. It's not like he's out tending the garden. It's not like he's trying to keep things. He was interested in what the serpent had to say. But instead of asking him directly, he lets his wife start the conversation. And he's always wondered about that tree. Because God told them to stay away from the tree. And whenever we're told to stay away from something, what do we want? But listen, listen, well, why did God make the tree to begin with? Why did he just get rid of the tree? Because, look, look, she says, the woman was, what? She's convinced. Satan talked her into it. She's convinced with what he's, she's come into agreement with the enemy. She saw that the tree was beautiful. So she comes over and she looks at the tree. And saw that the tree was beautiful, okay? She saw that the tree, that the the fruit, it looked good and delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some and ate it. Now, now before before we go there, I want you to see this. She sees the tree. She sees the tree is beautiful. She desires the fruit of it. Now, some people would ask, well, why did God even put fruit on the tree? Why not make it look like a crappy tree? An ugly tree? Make it a tree that no one wants to go near so that when you wouldn't want to eat. Why would he make it desirable? Listen, I walk up to my wife and say, you are the most beautiful woman and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. (laughs) Now, listen, that means something. You know why? Because there's a lot of choices. But if she's the only woman in the world... You're beautiful, and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. But she's the only one. There is no other choices out there. She's going to be like, well, who else is it going to be? That's what the tree represents. God created us with our own will and with our own ability to make choices. And he's not going to give us all this stuff without the ability to have it a choice to make. And so he gave us the ability so that when we say, yes, we love you, God, we had an option to say no or to say yes. And when we choose God, it means something because there was an opportunity to choose something else. So, so look what happens. So she took some of the fruit, take some of the fruit. She ate it. And then she gave it to her husband. Because Adam was wanting to eat the fruit, but he didn't want to be the one to pick the fruit. Oh, Chion. Little sissy, he wouldn't pick it up on, on his own. Sent his wife to go ahead and get it. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew exactly what was taking place. Listen, it took Satan to deceive the woman. It took a woman to deceive a man. Listen to me, gentlemen. We know exactly what we do when we sin. 
Ain't never been a man that been tricked into sin. Come on, think about it. I didn't know she was going to be there. I showed up and she was there. Babe, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't planning on hooking up with her. I just showed up there and she ended up being, you know, I wasn't planning on getting drunk. I didn't, I didn't know that they were all going to be there. I went to drop something off and all the boys were hanging out and all of a sudden I ended up, you, you knew exactly what you were going to do, when you were going to do it, how you were going to do it, who you were going to do it with because men aren't tricked into sin. We know exactly what we're doing. Adam made a choice. And he let his wife make the decision to eat of the fruit. See, look, look at the progression that we see here. She agreed with Satan. And as, that, as a result, that agreement opened doors. Your arms are hurting, aren't they? <laughs> you can sit down. God bless you guys. You can sit down. These guys are like. Ah. Agreement opens doors. You got to be careful who you agree with. And that's why some of you in your life, you haven't gone very far because you come into agreement with words over your life that don't agree with what God says about you. Mm, you missed it right there. We need those applause signs right there. That, that, even the seed sign because that's, that's right where, right where you, you need to understand because some of you have, there's been words of people that you love, that you honor, that you respect, that have spoken negative words over your life that have limited you. And you believe the words of your parents, your family members, a teacher, an instructor over the word of God. And we got to stop listening and agreeing with people that have no rights over your life. It's time to stop agreeing with Satan. Omaha, if you would help me, I want you to see this progression as we are, we're about to close this morning. Look at the progression. She saw it. This is how sin enters in. She saw the fruit. She liked it. Then she wanted it. You ever notice that all of a sudden you see something? Then all of a sudden as you keep staring at it, you want it, even if you know it's bad for you? Especially when, when you're about to go into a relationship and everyone's telling you, oh, he's bad for you. Or she's not good for you. What's, what is it that as soon as someone says they're no good, oh, man, that's a person for me. <laughs> Stay away from him. He, he's a bum. Stay away from her. She's going she's gonna to hurt you. Oh, no, no, that, I, I, I want to be with him. Then you get him. Your life falls apart. You're all messed up. No, stay with him now. You, you were begging to be with him. Crying about wanting them. Now all of a sudden you got what you wanted. Now look at things. People come into my office all upset about my husband or my wife and all that stuff. You didn't listen to nobody when they were telling you. Now you want to leave them? Why didn't you take advice when you were dating them? I'm sorry. I'm just getting bitter right now. Verse 7. At that moment, their eyes were opened. Someone say opened. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. They kept, capture this picture. They go, they get fig leaves, and so he's covering himself. She's covering herself, and now they're, they're, they're walking, and then God shows up. And they're trying on their new clothes. They're trying on their, their what, what the, Adam blows it. And so now they're, they're, they're covering themselves, and they end up hiding in creation. 
They use creation to cover them. I don't know if you're, you're capturing this. They, they go to creation to cover them instead of going to the creator. And we do that today. We end up hiding in creation. We end up hiding in alcohol and drugs and relationships and, and things and substances instead of coming out and looking for God. And when God goes to look for them, it's not like God doesn't know where they're at. Hey, Adam, where are you? God knows where you're at, dude. Listen, God knows where you're at right now. No matter how many times you've fallen, God knows where you're at. You can hide in drugs. You can hide it. But I want you to understand this. It doesn't matter. Those fig leaves were going to dry up. Say it again, Pastor. The fig leaves are going to dry They're only temporary. That alcohol is only temporary. That drug is only temporary. That relationship is only temporary. Those things are only going to take you so far. You can only hide out in creation for a little while. I love this. I, I need you to understand something. The fall caused Adam to lose his dominion, but not his purpose. And your fall may have messed up your dominion, but your purpose is still intact. God still created you to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill, and subdue, subdue. He wants to get the breath of God back in you so you can take dominion again. And I love what 2 Corinthians says. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but not abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. You might knock me down, but I'm going to get back up again. You might step on me, but I'm going to move your foot off and get up again. No matter what you bring my way, I'm going to get up. I might not, I might be damaged, but I'm not destroyed. Many of you right now are feeling like you've been damaged. Looking at your life right now and feeling like you're damaged, like God is mad at you. It's like Troy's song last week, God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. Genesis 3.8 says this, when the cool of the evening breeze was blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord was walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees, hiding in creation. I want to tell you right now as we close, stop hiding. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, stop hiding. Turn to your other neighbor, tell him, stop hiding. Stop hiding. Stop running from God. And we all blow it. Come on now. Ain't, ain't nobody righteous on your own here. We've all messed up at one time or another, and we need the grace of God during these seasons. Verse 21 of chapter 3, as we close, says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now, God didn't go to Wilson's Leather Supply. I say, hey, let me get a couple skirts and bras and maybe a loincloth for my man Adam. Where, where did he get the skins from? From the animal. And he didn't go, go to the animal and say, hey, bro, can I borrow your skin? <laughs> oh, sure. He, he had to kill the animal. This is where sacrifice came from. An animal had to die because of their choices. And it covered them. 
what became temporary with leaves, God provided a covering for them. They fell. And I want you to understand that God covered them. Everyone say covered them. And th- this is why Jesus came. And I need you to grab a hold of this. This is so important. Jesus didn't come in the world uh, at the last second like, oh, no, Adam and Eve blew it. We got to come up with something. And Jesus is like, okay, I'll go down and I'll give my life as a sacrifice. No, the Bible says this, that Jesus was not an act of desperation. He was God's plan from the beginning. Yeah. Revelation 13, 8 says this. That the lamb, the, that the lamb of, was slain from the foundations of the world. The Lamb of God was slain. That Jesus died before God even entered or spoke the world into existence. Why? Because God knew how the ending was going to be. And he made a choice to still make mankind. Knowing that man would fall. That man would sin. And that God would have to come and give his life as a ransom for you. God knew he would have to cover you. And he still made us. You're covered. You're covered. Stop running from God. You're covered. You fall into sin. You're covered. You've blown it. You're covered. Doesn't matter what's happened yesterday. You are covered. Jesus came to restore our relationship with the Father so that he could restore our dominion. Jesus already made provision for our failures. He he knew we weren't going to be perfect. So he sent his perfect son out of the glory of heaven down to earth to give his life as a ransom instead of animal skins, the son of God's blood to cover us, to give you back your dominion your relationship with God, the Father, so that you could once again be fruitful, multiply, fill, and subdue. That's your call. That's your design. You might be damaged, but you are not destroyed. bow your heads with me. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.